Okay, we are starting from the bottom of Lamed Dalad Amabez. We're learning Daf Lamed Hey. So the Mishnah Daf Lamed Dalad Amabez is continuing to discuss the Takanas of Gamliel. We're on a tangent at this point. Um, Gamliel was misakin in the beginning of our parak. The idea that the way you nullify a get has to be done specifically to the Shliach or to the Isha. It should not be done just in front of a basin. So now we're on a tangent of other things that he instituted. So the bottom Mishnah here teaches a widow who's coming to collect from the property of orphans. And what she's coming to collect is the ksuba. Ksuba is paid in the event that the marriage is terminated by the husband, either by his death or if he divorces her, then she collects from the, the ksuba. So if she's divorced, and she's collecting from the husband's assets themselves. But if, if the husband dies, then she's collecting from the orphans who inherited the property of her husband. So the halacha was that originally, before she collects, even if she has a star, even if she has, she has a star, she has a document that she's owed the ksuba, she has to first make a shibua, she has to first swear. And the idea of swearing is maybe she really had collected a little bit, collected some, uh, some piece of it while the marriage, well, before her husband died, her husband maybe had given her some coins or deposited some things by her and said, you know, this could be eventually for your ksuba or whatnot. And now, She's taking the shower and she's kind of double dipping. She's collecting more than she'd be allowed to. So therefore, in order to make sure that she hadn't collected any pieces, anything before, so therefore the Rabbana, therefore the Rabbana require her to make a, a shivua, to swear in the name of Hashem that she hadn't collected anything before. That was the original halacha. Again, that when Amana is collecting her ksuba from the Yarshim post the death of her husband, she's only supposed to collect if she first makes a shivua in the name of Hashem that she hasn't yet collected anything. However, as, as time went on, the court did not allow her to make a shua. We'll have to see the reason why the court was. But something happened where they were nervous to make people make shuas. And therefore, what happened is that she, the, the women were stuck, unable to collect their shua because the courts weren't allowing them to take a shua. Without a shua, then they were entrusted onto the, just by their own word that they hadn't collected anything. So therefore, that instead of making a shua, she should make a vow, she should make a neder, for whatever, whatever the Yisomim prefer. So let's remember what the difference is between a Shavua and a Nether. A Shavua is when you swear the veracity of one's words, you link to Hashem's name. So you're saying the Shavua of Hashem, X, Y, and Z is true. So Shavua of Hashem, the person, the woman would say, yeah, I haven't collected anything, anything Shavua. So that the court didn't let her do, and therefore she was stuck. Comes along with Liel, and he says, let's do something else. Let's make a Nether. A Nether is when you prohibit something. You can prohibit something with a certain condition. So she could say, I'll answer all the fruits of the world upon me, if I have collected any of the ksuba. So it might sound like exactly like you're swearing, but it's not. It's not what it is. You're not swearing to the truth of the fact that you haven't collected. You're ossering all the fruits of the world upon you if you haven't yet collected the ksuba, if you've collected any of the ksuba. So therefore, that for somehow the courts were, were okay with, and we have to see in the Gemara again, like what was the, why were they not okay with the shvua? Like, well, what's the background with that? So Lil is saying, okay, you're not gonna be okay with the shvua, fine. Instead, they'll make a neder with a condition that uh, she hasn't done it. And then she'll collect. Another din, the whole idea that witnesses sign and get is only if they take an olam, is only for the benefit of the world. So we'll have to see in the Gemara, it sounds like, you don't need witnesses on a get. And that probably means, we'll see in the Gemara, that really the witnesses that are present when the get is given over can affect the divorce. The fact that they're present in the, in the, in the, in the document itself, that they sign a document is only to benefit society. Another one, he'll tiskin prusbal when they took an olam. The idea of the institutional prusbal to circumvent the issue of a shemitah canceling debt was also instituted at a later point only by Hillel to benefit society. We will learn all about that. 
All right, so the first thing that we learned is that when the, when the Almana comes to collect her Ksuba from Yarshim, she has to swear first. Frak the Gemara, my Yuri Almana. Why is the Mishnah specifying a widow has to do that? That's a general. When anyone, any creditor collects from orphans, they have to first swear that they haven't collected anything. In other words, normally, when you have a star, that's it. Your star is proof that the money is owed to you. And as long as we know the shower is a good shower, it's not, it's not a forgery, then you collect even without making shvua. But the law is that when you're collecting from orphans who don't know how to defend themselves, there's a possibility that the father had paid back before he died something or a piece of it or deposited something. So therefore we say only with a shvua are you allowed to collect. So that's a general rule. Anyone's come to collect from the, from the property of orphans, can only do it through Yeshua. So why is the Mishnah saying, like, oh, the, the, the widow who comes to collect her tuba from the orphans has to swear. Anyone has to swear when they collect from orphans. It was necessary for the town to tell us a widow. You would have said just the opposite. Any creditor needs to swear. But a, but a widow does not. Is that we have to make sure that marriage, marriage is something which is a good deal for the women um, as well. In other words, there's like an idea that we want, we want to make sure that they're eager to marry as well, or else you know we have like a sort of shidduch crisis here. So we want to make sure that the women were eager to marry as well. So you may, have say, you may say that you're putting all these obstacles in front of them because you're saying that in the eventuality of, of, of a ksuba payment, it's going to be hard for them to collect and they're going to have to swear and this and that. That might be an obstacle for them agreeing to a marriage. So therefore, you would say the rabbi should waive the general rule that someone collecting from a yisomim has to swear. Kamash Malon, the Mishnah, therefore, tells us, no, that's not the truth. A yis, uh, 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 an amana collecting from the yisomim is no different than any creditor who's collecting from yisomim in which the law is that the shul has to be made. Okay, so now that we clarify that point, so now we're ready to, to tackle the main issue. So it used to be that Allah she had to make a shvua. But then what happened? They refrained from allowing her to swear. So my time, why did they stop allowing her to swear? Maybe it's because of the story that happened by Rav Kana. There was a story with a person during a period of famine. He gave a golden dinner to an amana as a deposit for her to watch. She put it in the flower jug. In other words, that was a very like secure place to wash the coin, and that was her way of guarding it. What happened? She forgot that she had put it in the jug of the flower. She baked the dinner into the loaf of bread, and then she gave the loaf to a poor man for tzedakah. And that means she'd given away, she'd been negligent without realizing giving away the deposit. Later, the owner of the dinner came back, dinner, give me back my dinner. She said, you know, she couldn't find it. She said, must be, I don't have it. She said, there should be some sort of death effective in one of the children of this woman, meaning of herself. She, she cursed herself and said that one of her children should die. If I got any benefit from your dinners, meaning she was sort of, um, it's interesting. It, it, it's interesting that the Gemara is treating it as an oath. The way that it's, it's, it's presented in the text of our Gemara doesn't seem like an oath. It must be that the Gemara is kind of like, you know, just uh, saying over the, ba- the, the basic idea of what she said. But she also literally said a shvua. She made a shvua that she, um, she didn't do that. And again, because in her mind, she didn't realize, she, she totally forgot about can't be. She can't be that I did anything wrong. Amru, they said, it was only a few more days. One of her children actually died. So we see the severe power of a swearing when it doesn't go correctly. heard about this. This is the punishment for someone who swore in truth. We'll see in a second. Did she really swear in truth? It wasn't truth. 
And Nishbal Shakar someone who swears in falsehood, all the more so that scary things can come about. Says the Gemara, so now we just get understand the story a little bit better. My Tommy Amsha, why exactly? Why did she punish her? What, what, what exactly did she? In other words, it sounds like the Shua was wrong. She said one of her children should die if she benefited. Did she benefit? It didn't sound like she benefited, so why was she punished? She did. She had a very small amount of gain. She benefited the place of the dinner, meaning she was baking a loaf of bread. So if the dinner wouldn't have been there, there would have been a little bit more flour, a little bit more valuable flour that she would have had to put into the loaf. Now that the dinner was present, she, 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 she saved that amount of flour. So then what do we mean she swore falsely? Truthfully, it's not true. She actually did receive some benefit from the dinner. The answer is it's, it's similar to someone who swore in truth because she honestly believed that she hadn't received any, any, any benefit. So once we see that this is, might be the story that was the catalyst that I wanted to stop allowing the widow to swear because she might end up swearing falsely and get a very severe punishment for taking a false oath. Remember, we learned in Dharam, we saw all about how severe false shavuos is. The whole world is shaking this and that. Very scary things. The whole idea is that it's linked to the truth of Hashem's name. That's why it's so much more severe. So it's not stam. You know, there is an Isra of Layachal Devaro. There is that too, right? which applies to another. But Shavua specifically is more, is, is more severe because of the way you're connecting the truth to Hashem. So it says the Gemara, if that's the catalyst, so why do we say it's only when a widow, I feel like it should be even a Gerusha, we shouldn't allow her to swear for the very same reason. The Takana, the Amana here, it was only from the widow that the, that the rabbi stopped allowing her to swear. Abel Grusha, if she's a divorce, he's collecting from the husband. So we, we do make her swear that the ksuba has not been prepaid if she wants to collect it from, the ex, from, the, from her ex-husband. So in other words, it seems like even a Grusha has a shvua to make, which is an interesting point. She's not necessarily collecting from the, from, from the, from the arsh. But, but we see that... Um, even if it would come to that. In other words, even if the, she's divorced and then the husband passed away, so now she is going to collect from the Yarshim, still she doesn't make a, she, still she does make a shvua. The whole halacha that you don't make a shvua was only to an almana. Why? According to our explanation that the whole idea is you might swear falsely and who knows what will happen, such a scary, severe punishments, so then that shouldn't only be to an almana, it should be to a grusha as well. So the more explains the difference. Almana, shiny widow is different. To be here, not to katarcha, kamiyasa, remember, there's a, there, there's a benefit that she provides in the sense that she's giving, she's, she's kind of managing the home of the orphans. Remember, before she collects her ksuba, she's remaining in the home of, of the deceased. And she manages the home, she takes care of things. So therefore, the Yisomim are benefiting from her. So therefore, she might rationalize some falsehood. In other words, she might actually have collected a little bit before the husband died. Her husband may have given her some coins or whatever for her tzuba. And she might kind of swear falsely here that she didn't collect anything. And she rationalizes in her head and she says, look, look how much I've done for this family. Look how much I've done for these orphans. They owe me a little bit. It's not so bad for me to double dip here. So that speci- it's not stam that, oh, a bad story happened and now we say don't allow anyone to swear. Well, allow a grusha to swear. If they have a reason you're using Hashem's name, presumably you'll say the truth. But the idea is that for the Amana, there's a specific concern that she'll rationalize the lie because she's been doing so much for the Yisoma. So the, the Takana was unique to the Amana. Says the Gemara, This is only true if the Shvua, the oath, is taken in a court. Outside of the court, you couldn't make her swear an oath. What's the, what, what's the difference if it's in court or out of court? So Rashi explains that there's a difference between them. If you take a look at Rashi, when it's done with judges in front of the court, 
then then midaraisa. Then the person has to hold an article of the mitzvah with Hashem's name in their hands. Like I say, for Torah, tefillin, umashpila, b'shimu, b'kinoi, and then a true b'shem. Where's the precedent for all of this? Avram and Eliezer, simnan chal tachas reichas shviachav Hashem. Therefore, the sin is much greater. Chutz lebeisin is only shvud rabbanan, and therefore there's no nikitas chayfetz. There's no din that the person has to hold on a holy item, and therefore the punishment is not great. So, in other words, we're saying as follows: the real shvuah, technically, that she's mechuyiv to make, is a shvuah based in the severe one with holding the thing. The rabbanan uprooted that. So, Rabbi Gamliel made a takana that instead of making a shvuah, you can make a nether with a stipulation. Another method provided the orphans are good with it, would be making her swear, but outside of basin, which would only be a much lower form of a shua. That would be another solution. Says the Gwarini, is this true? That you can take a shua chutz basin, but Rav would never allow the widow to collect from the property of the orphans. Now, he didn't allow any shua to work, even out of court. Now, the obvious question is, why didn't Rav go like Rav Gamliel's Takana? And make her make, a, make, make her make a nether. Okay, we'll deal with that in a second. But Al-Kopanim, the fact that Rav had no solution and didn't allow her to collect at all indicates that Shulchan Sabesin doesn't work. Says the Gemara Kasha, that's difficult. Says the Gemara Basur Masnavach in Sur, they said it over that way. They taught it differently. They said as follows. Remember, if you don't Shmuel, only in the name of Shmuel, Shana Bebesin, Chosa Besin, Mashbina. So outside the court, you could make her swear, only in the name of Shmuel. For Rav, explicitly, Rav, so even outside the court, we can't allow her to swear. And according to that version that Rav said explicitly, it's Rav Latame, Rav is Lushitasa, consistent with his own view. So Rav Rav wouldn't allow the widow to collect Iksuba at all. So that's the Pshat. Shul and he doesn't hold the I the obvious question of Adri Lagave. What's wrong with the nether? Like Rabbi Gamliel's Takana, make her make a nether, all the fruits of the world would be also on her if she collected. Says the Mabish made the Rav, Kili Nidri. In Rav's times, Nidharm were treated lightly by people, meaning they didn't consider violating the nether to be serious. So therefore that's not enough proof. So it's such an interesting irony. She can't make a shvua, why? Because it's too severe. It's so severe that we're scared of what's going to happen, the punishment, if she would do it falsely. Why can't we make a neganeder? The pshat is people in society treating their dharm so lightly that it doesn't prove anything. It's not any, any advancement of proof by the person making the neder that they haven't collected it. So it's like, you need, we need to thread the needle. We need something in the middle. We need something that people take seriously, and yet if they'll violate it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Shvua is too severe. And neder they don't take seriously at all. So therefore, there's just, there was no solution to Rav. So if there was no solution to Rav, he had no way to allow them to collect the ksuba, and therefore they would lose, which seems pretty sad for them. Says Gemara, he's also coming to Ravuna. A widow came in front of Ravuna to collect the ksuba. Amalah Ravuna said, my belach, what could I do? Remember, Ravuna is a, is a disciple of, um, of, of Rav. So Ravuna said to her, what can I do? Rav, look so Rav wouldn't allow the widow to collect the ksuba. So Amalah, she said, what's the whole policy? Because we're scared, I'm, I'm doing a false and maybe I already received something. She just jumps into an Ishua. And she says, in the name of Hashem Tzvalkos, for sure I didn't receive any benefit from my Ksuba yet. So she already did the Shua. So Rav agrees once she jumped forward and did it, so now she did it. And the only reason is we don't want to make her swear who knows what will happen, and therefore she can't collect. If she jumped out and did it without us telling her to do it, Lamaisa she made a Shua, so now they have no reason not to allow her to collect. The whole reason not to do it is because we're scared of what will happen to her if she's doing it falsely. But once she did it, there's no reason not to, not, not to allow her to collect. So therefore, Rav will, in fact, agree that in this case where she did it, she jumped and did it, that then she can collect the tzuba. Says the Gemara, another similar story. He also came to Rabbi Rabbi Huna. His widow came to Rabbi Huna. She's trying to collect. Amar Allah, Rabbi Huna said, My what can I do for you? Rav, Rav didn't have a solution how to allow the widow to collect the tzuba. My father, um, Rav Huna, 
who also didn't, right? This is Rabbi Bar Rav Huna, his son. So Armalei, she said, Havli Mizoni. She said, okay, I'm not collecting Lusuva, but I should at least get support. So this brings us back to our Ksuva's times, where we learn that after the death of a husband, a woman is entitled still to be supported. As long as she's still living in the home, she's part of the household, she's entitled to food for, to food for her support. It's only, she loses that once she wants the Ksuva. So here she's saying, look, I, I want the Ksuva. You're not going to give me the Ksuva? So then at least give me the Mizonas. So Amalai, he said, No, you've lost your right to Mizonas. Because if you said it in the name of Shmuel, once a widow demands her Ksuva, she comes to the court and demands her Ksuva, she loses her right to the support. In other words, when she's loyal to the home, she doesn't want out, she's not taking her Ksuva, that's where she gets Mizonas. But even just demanding the Ksuva publicly, that's it. Then you lose the Mizonas. So here, we're not giving you the Ksuva because we can't allow you to collect it and make a Shua. But once you demanded it, then you lose the Mizonas as well. So that was a very harsh sentence because He's spinning it on her both ways. He's saying, you demand your exuba, I can't give you exuba. But once you demanded the exuba, you lost your mazonas. So Armalei, she said about Rabbi Rahuna, Abkhul, of course, they overturned his chair, meaning she cursed him that he should die. If they tray he's, he's treating me with the stringencies of both. Meaning, if Rav was here, he'd allow me to have mazonas. If Shmuel was here, he'd allow me to have exuba. You're treating me with the stringencies of Rav and the stringencies of Shmuel together. That's not fair. So she was very upset about that. So Hafachua, the course, they to us. So they tried to preempt the curse by just literally overturning his chair and then putting it back straight so that he wouldn't, and the curse wouldn't have to be fulfilled in death. It was partially effective. He ended up becoming sick. All right. Says the Gemara, you have two solutions. Either like Rabbi Gamliel's Takana, make her make a neder in court, or you can make a shvua outside of the court. But let's say, call of the word of this should fall to me or to be in a kiachalad maisa. I want the word to get out. Meaning, What's happening here is that, remember, Rav wouldn't do this. Rav did not allow the neder because people, people didn't treat Nadarim well and, and, and Shavu of a chutzah didn't allow. So Rav didn't do it. Rav Yudha wants the, the news to spread that really be possible like Shavu and that it's okay. So therefore he told him to do it and publicize it so that the matter should get out and there shouldn't be any question of doubt in the Allah. Says the Margufa, we get back to what we said earlier. Amar, 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 Shmuel, the Mishnah that says that they... That they, that they didn't allow the, the Almana to make a Shavua, and therefore it had to change to a Nadar. It was only for the Almana. So if it's a case of divorcee, we could make her swear that it hadn't been prepared. So Akhtimar, is this true? The implication is that the, shvua, that, the, that, that the Gurusha has to take a Shavua. In other words, the way it went is because of the Almana, they didn't allow her to make the Shavua. Therefore, we enacted a Takana that they make a Nadar. Whereas the Grusha who could make a Shavuah, then the implication is she has to make a Shavuah. There's nothing else that she can do. So the Gemara says, is that true? If a Grusha would, instead of making a Shavuah, she would take the Nadar, that wouldn't allow her to collect the Ksuvah. They sent in a document from Eretz Yisrael to Babel, Eplon It was reported that so-and-so was the daughter of so She got to get from the hand of her husband, Acha, the son of Hidya. Demiske Ayamari, he's also called Ayamari. Remember, we learned yesterday that you include other names in the get. She vowed and she asked herself all the fruits of the world if she hadn't received from the Ksuba any more money more than one coat, save for Tehillim, one scroll of Tehillim, one save for Eov, and a scroll of Eov, and from Shalos Beluim, and Shalos says from a save for Mishle that these were worn out. So she had partial amounts of Ksuba that she had collected. She swore. Uh, she had to swear or make a nether. She hadn't collected the rest. So what do we see? This is a divorce and she's making the nether. What else? And the people we say that are writing here, we evaluated that the items together were worth five mana. 
when she comes in front of you, Hagu was a shar. Get her, give, give her the rest of the ksuba. So this was a, a document that was written for this woman. So what do we see? We see that she was a divorcee, right? That there was a get. And we see that we gave her, we're give, awarding her the ksuba based upon a nether, not a shvua. So the katra comes back because we've been saying that the whole takana to stop making a shvua and to switch to a nether was only for the almana. Remember, because the almana... She has that temptation to rationalize because she's taking care of the orphans. But the Grusha doesn't have that temptation. We have no issue with allowing her to just make a shvua. So presumably she must make a shvua. We don't say that a nether works for her. And yet we see from here that a, uh, that a Grusha could collect by making the nether instead of a shvua. So what's going on? So the more answers are Ravashi, who get Yivam and Haya? It wasn't a regular get. It was a get Yivam. Remember, in the case of Yivam, she really is an Almana. The halacha is that, that, that if, the, if, if, if one of the brothers gives her a get, so that's very interesting, it's a divorce. What are you divorcing? You're divorcing the zika. So that's a rabbinic, rabbinic form of a get. It just pushes away yibam. just means yibam's not an option. It closes that window. And therefore she's collecting her ksuba, not out grusha. This is a get that just pushed away the possibility of yibam. She's collecting the ksuba out zamana from the deceased property. So that's why we, that's why we went with a nether. But in a chanami, regular scenario of a grusha, she has no reason to rationalize and therefore... It would be a, uh, therefore, it would be a scenario of, of, uh, of where we would actually prefer a shua. Just one question here. What about in a scenario where Almana has no, there's no orphans that she's taking care of, right? There, it, it, like a Yibam scenario where Yibam is not being done. There's no orphans. It's still, it sounds like that we do neither, not shua. That's what it sounds like. All right, says the Gemara, he's going to have a Gemara, instead that she should make a neder as opposed to a shul. So the Gemara comes up with a very important qualification. This is only true if she hasn't yet remarried. If she hasn't yet remarried, so she just, she's widowed and she's collecting her ksuba. So then she'll make a neder that, you know, the fruits of the world should be also to her if she collected anything. If she's already remarried, we don't allow her to collect the ksuba based upon a nether. Why? What's the difference if she's already remarried? Nisei is my time. Because remember, we learned in the Darim that when a woman takes a nether, what's the halacha? Her husband can annul the, the vow for her. So it's, it's, it's a bad system for her to take a nether that all the fruits of the world will be also on her if she collected anything because she really may have collected something. But she's very comfortable taking that nether because she can just go home and get an annul. So... It doesn't prove anything if she takes a nether. So the, the efficacy of a, of a nether is only, is only before she is remarried. Once she's married, it doesn't work. So the Mar says, Nisa is my time to pay for Labal, because her husband could just revoke the nether. Kilo Nisa is not, but even if she hasn't yet remarried, well, how, can we, how can we rely on the vow? If she later goes ahead and gets remarried, her husband can revoke the vow for her. So in other words, even if presently she's not married, and presently the husband's not going to revoke it, but if she would then get married, presumably he could. So then we should never be able to trust a nether because she could go ahead and get remarried and get an annulled. So the Gemara explains, no, we forgot about what we learned in the Dharm. Ain't about me for Bikod. I mean, a husband cannot revoke a vow that was made previously. He can only, he can only be made for a nether that was made during his marriage. So if she's not yet married and she's taking the nether, we have no concern. She certainly, it is proof that she's telling the truth. It's only if, she, if she's already married when she's taking it there, we're nervous that it's not truthful and she's just doing it, assuming her husband will be made for it. Says the Gemara, okay, that's all in terms of getting her husband to be made for. But Nechosh, nevertheless, in other words, even if she's not yet married, how can we trust the nether? Let's be concerned that she'll go to a Chacham and he will annul it. Remember, there's two ways of getting a nether away. There's the form when, when, when a father or a husband is, is, is made for the nether, but there's also a form that anyone can use by going to a Chacham or a Beistin and being Shoel. But you can get it, you can get it removed that way. So why aren't we concerned that she plans on doing that? And that's why the nether does not scare her. 
Says the Gemara, Kasavar Tzarech Lafari Desanet. The Rafuna holds that what's the halacha? When you show up, you can't just give a vague detail, the vague concept of what the nether was. You have to give specific details of the circumstances that, that it brought you to accept the vow. So you, unless, you, unless you tell that, they're not going to give you a hatter. So she has to explain the circumstances. So she, she has to explain the circumstances. Clearly, the Beistin is not going to be matter this conditional vow. Once they hear that it's all about Aksuba and that she had to do it, to, to, she had to make the nether in order to show that, that she hadn't really collected anything yet. Well, then now, at that point and on, they're not going to. Uh, they're not going to be. They're not going to be show on. I guess she realizes that from the outset that her plan isn't going to work. Says the Gemara. There's not every view agrees with this. says even if she's already remarried, the widow could collect her ksuba based upon it now. Ah, how could that be? Nisei's vadi made for As we said, once she's remarried and it's not Godman, certainly the husband can annul it. So what proof is there if she makes an nether? Says the We make her do it in public. If she does it in the presence of 10 people, a public vow cannot be revoked by the husband. And the idea is that it has like an extra strength when it was said in public. And, and this bond Amar holds that if it was done in public in front of 10 people, then the husband can't be made for it. And therefore, it will prove that the nether is telling the truth. Says the Gemara. Okay, so we're asking now in Rafuna. Rafuna was the opinion that when, once she's remarried, she can't collect the ksuba by taking a nether. So Mesve, it's like really smart, by the way. So before she gets married, Again, she, she should go take care of the ksuba. Don't get married too quickly. That's what comes out of Kondra Vuna. It would be quite foolish of her to get married, but then she loses her rights to collect the ksuba. She can't make another anymore. Says the Mormon, we have a kasha from her bride. And he says, if she, if she remarried, go back to the she still collects the ksuba if she vows. My love, Madra Hasha, doesn't it mean that she's vowing now after she's remarried? That's the simple text of the bride. Says the Gemara, no. Lo, that's not what the bride is saying. The bride is saying, if she remarried, she collected if she vowed before she was married. So the Chiddush here is saying is that even though she remarried now, as long as the nether was made before she remarried, she could collect now. And the Chiddush is we don't say that the husband can be made for what she did previously as we explained. But it says in another price that Nisa says if she remarried, no she may vow and collect her ksuba. So this price is really clear that after she's remarried, she now makes the nether and she collects. So that certainly uh, contradicts what Rafuna said. So the Gemara is going to concede that point. The Gemara will concede that this price, in fact, is against Rafuna. Rafuna said once she remarries, a nether is no longer effective to allow her to collect because we're concerned that she's just doing it with the, with the intent. The husband will be, will, will be made for. So I, we see a dispute between Rafuna and the bride, so how can that be? So the Gemara explains, Tanahi, the real, the real truth is, is that it's machlokas There's a Tanu who says that when a vow is made in public, it still could have hafara. Even though it was made in public, it still could have hafara. Whereas another Tanu holds, it does not have hafara. And I guess that's something that, you know, we're, we're familiar about. It's actually coming up. Rashi tells us later in the Masech that we're going to learn about it on Daf Memhei. So there's a machlokas between the Tanoim if if a person makes a nether in front of 10 people, if the husband can be made for it. And now we can understand what the Brisa held and why it's not a Kashan Ravuna. The Brisa that said that once she remarried, she couldn't make a nether. The Brisa held like the solution that Rav Nachman proposed. That she, we know there's a possibility the husband can be made for it. So we're ahead of the game and we make her make the nether barabim. And the bride's old nether shuhud barabim does not have a far from the husband. That's why it's a good solution. It's a good proof that she's telling the truth and will allow her to collect based upon that. Whereas Rafuna, Rafuna Paskin, like the other Tana, that a nether shuhud barabim also has a far off. 
So if a nether showed the Barabbam also has a far, then we have no solution. Once she is remarried, we have no solution how she could take a nether now and it will be a proof that she hasn't yet collected the ksuba. Even if we do it Barabbam, she could just be planning to go to her husband. So ultimately, this point that we're saying about if she's remarried, can she take a nether and collect is a machlokas tanoim and the variable that it depends on is whether or not nether shod Barabbam has a far from her husband. So now the Gemara gets into an inquiry which we, which we mentioned before. We mentioned before, why aren't we concerned that she's going to go to a Chacham and be matured from the Chacham? So we explained because you have to be mafari the nether. You have to detail, detail the circumstances surrounding the nether to, this, to the Chacham. So we inquire about this very issue. When a person goes to a Chacham, does he have to give the details around it? Or does he not? Rabbi says he does not have to. Papa says he does have to. Why not? The Amr Tzarech, if you will say that the neither has to, is in the guise of the Buddha. He might cut short what he's going to say. In other words, when, once you get, start getting into details, you ever notice you listen to people's stories, once details come out, somehow only some details come out. It's very hard to really accurately portray all the details. Therefore, what will happen is the Chacham will, will be made for only based upon, will be made for only based upon what he hears. So if he leaves out, there are certain important details then it's going to be ineffective because it's Ki'ilu was said based on only certain details which aren't the full truth. So therefore, we go with the policy of better not to ask at all what the details are. Better just to be mefer on the general concept of the nether that said without getting into the details. What an interesting concept. Sometimes, you know, it gets worse the more you get into the details surrounding it. Unless you're able to provide all of them then it might actually be more of a toast in the das of the Chacham being matir than if he was just doing it to the general nether which was said to him without the details. So you would say, you know, what's a case where more ends up being less? That's one of those. If he would just give it less and just tell the general nether, okay, so you're made for a das of the general nether, good, done. But here, where you're mafarited and we're nervous that not all the details are coming out correctly, then the far is not going to be done based upon some false stuff and that's no good. So therefore, we don't, we're not mafarid. Because we're always concerned that the nether was taken to protect against something which was usher, like Mamash, like our case, where, where the where, where the where the Almana had to take a nether to, pre, to prevent it from taking the Ksuba a second time. So so if we wouldn't have the details, so then we might not realize that we're being mat or something which should never be huta. Like and that's exactly the point that we made before. That that's the reason why we're not concerned she's gonna to go to the Chacham, it's gonna start fire this and then. So now the Gemara gets into this. Tonight, so we learned in the Mishnah. I know it's not apostle. So you have a Kohen here who's marrying women that he shouldn't, he's not allowed to marry. So, so what's the halacha? He's disqualified from doing the avod on the base of Mikdash. Doesn't actually have to, have to divorce, but he has to at least take a vow that he won't benefit until he divorces them. So in other words, that guarantees us that he's going to follow through in the divorce. So he, you know, he can do the avod even before the divorce, as long as he's taken another that will effectuate that he's going to go ahead and go do it. As Hani Allah, the Bryce says, no devoted, you're in Megarish. He makes the nether, and then he does that vote, and he goes and he divorces. So meaning very clearly that then it's, we, are, we are relying on the nether working here to, to, to motivate him to give the divorce. So wait a second, we can have the same problem with nether. If you say that when you go to a Chacham, you don't have to be fired the nether, you can just give the general nether without giving the circumstances that surrounded it. So Mamish, this type of question, what, what validity is there to a nether that proves that he's going to divorce? Maybe he'll just go and, uh, and get it annulled. And that will, uh, that will avoid, that will help him avoid divorcing his wife even though, even though he had the nether. Must be, it's a proof that you have to be fired the nether. Says the Gemara, we'll make the coin do it in public. And if he does it publicly, he makes the, then, then the halacha is a chacham cannot be matter. 
says the Gemara, but that's a machlokas. Then that's good. The Kohen could have it annulled even if he did it publicly. Says the Gemara, new point. Not stam that we do it in the public, in public, but we do it based upon the das of the rabbim. In other words, we say to the Kohen, we're instructing you to make the vow according to our consensus, according to the understanding of the group of people. So then unless those people show up in front of the rabbi, he can't have it annulled. It's a fascinating concept. And like a person is like humbling their das, the das harabim, and they're making the nether according to the consensus of the people. So therefore, even if you feel you should have it an old, but if they don't, you can't have it an old. And then everything will work out. Even if you hold that it was done in public, it could still be an old. Al das rabim, if it was done for the das of the rabim, in law far, it cannot be an old. So that's the, always the solution here. A solution for the coin, even if you hold the insar chafaris and neder, is to either do it beravim, and if you have beravim as a far, at least you'll do it al das rabim. However, says the Gemara, there's one exception here. Hanimil dvar rishus. That only that, that this all is for something which is optional, right? Some sort of optional activity. That's where we say these halachos. Dvar mitzvah yishla far. If you want to know the vow for a mitzvah. In other words, the vow is preventing him from doing a mitzvah. It could be annulled even though it was done al das rabim. The whole halacha that al das rabim in lafara is only when it's a dvar shos. But dvar mitzvah you could. Where do we see this? That was the rabbanim lenient, and they said the dvar mitzvah would be much easier to get a hetter. There was a school teacher. Rachel made a vow al das rabim that he's not allowed to teach the children anymore. Very interesting thing. In other words, he made the teacher. He required him to vow that he's not going to get any benefit if he would teach children again. He has no business being a teacher. He would mistreat the kids. He would hit them more than was necessary. So therefore, they made him make a vow that he was not going to get any benefit if he would be a teacher again. What happened was, Ravino then went ahead, he annulled the vow, and he brought him back as a school teacher. Why? He was the best teacher. And after he left, the kids just weren't as good anymore. They weren't learning yeah, up to par. So fascinating thing here. Since it was a tzorech mitzvah that the kids should be up to par in their, in their studies, so then even though the original nether was done specifically al das rabim, we still see ledvar mitzvah as an exception. So bottom line is we have a bunch of machloksim here we learned. There's a question of whether you have to be mafari the nether in general. There's a question of if it's done in the presence of public, if you could be annulled. And then we have the big, you know, the super one where it's done al das rabim, where certainly it seems like there's no annulment, but the Gemara is ending up with an exception. And if it's done, the dvar mitzvah you want it, like in the case of the school teacher, even though the original that there was a, that was al das ravim, it could still theoretically have a hey, afar.